right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm the romance novel veteran. And I'm a virgin. <laughs> and this is a very exciting episode. It is the big finale of the Wallflower series. We've been reading this whole month. May is for Wallflowers. Um, Scandal in Spring. And then there was Daisy. Of all their children, Daisy had always been the one Bowman had understood the least. Even as a child, Daisy had never drawn the right conclusions from the stories he told, only asked questions that never seemed relevant to the point he had been trying to make. When he had explained why investors who wanted low risk and moderate returns should put their capital into national debt shares, Daisy had interrupted him by asking, Father, wouldn't it be wonderful if hummingbirds had tea parties and we were small enough to be invited? Now, Clayton, so this is your first romance novel series that you've read. Yes, absolutely. I'm a series virgin. No more. No more. Um, My cherry was picked. But yeah, so Claypass is the queen. Mm-hmm. And this is the fourth book, the last book in the series. Well, the last full-length book, because there is a Wallflower's Christmas, which, if I'm very good, <laughs> my good little boy, I'll get to read it this Christmas. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Will it be a surprise? You should make it a surprise until the last, like, moment. Well, you have to read it for us to talk about it. That's true. That would make no sense. <laughs> then that would almost be cruel because I'd be like, I read it. <laughs> and you didn't. <laughs> you made me read like a... Uh, uh, Another reindeer shifter. <laughs> I know. I hate to keep... I was going to try and say something else, but there's nothing else worse. <laughs> Not for me. Anyway, what did we read this month? What are we talking about? We're talking about Scandal in Spring. Mm-hmm. Wallflowers, book number four by Lisa Claypass. Woohoo! And the covers. Oh yeah. Now, was this recommended by anybody other than everybody? <laughs> I mean, everybody recommended it in a sort of like you need to read the Wallflowers, read the Wallflowers. So the big like what we touched on last week too is that a lot of people are very disappointed that Daisy, who is the heroine of this book, obviously didn't end up with Cam. Mm-hmm. So that was normally the big scandal. It's like everybody starts reading it and gets upset immediately because they're like, no, she's with the wrong person. And since we talked about this last week, I somehow blacked out in excitement, did not remember that Cam and Daisy made out. Mm-hmm. That or the Mandela effect. We covered this in the last. So the only two reasons it could be is Mandela effect or me passing out from excitement. That when in this book, Daisy mentions that she did make out with Cam, I texted you freaking out. When did this happen? You Mm -hmm. said in the book you just read (laughs) and I couldn't believe it. It is true. It did happen. And I was then very upset that she was with Matthew instead of Cam, because if you listen to the last week's episode, I am a Cam boy. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, and I read about this on a blog. Uh, Lisa did a blog entry on some blog spot that I had no clue. It was like I just researched Daisy, Daisy kissing Cam. Lisa Claypass was my Google search. And this is what came up. <laughs> and she said she originally intended them to get together. That's why there was the makeout scene. But she realized they're too close as people, personality-wise, and she likes it when it's an odd couple and people can learn from each other and, and things like that, which I do respect and I understand as an author that's a really good thing to do because if your characters are too close together, where's the friction? Although I would have liked to see some friction between mm-hmm. Daisy and Cam. So, yes, I do. I mean, there was some friction. There was, but I do, in the parlance of the youth... I do ship Cam and Daisy. Yeah. I would have liked it too because Cam in this book is 25. And a lot of these books are like a guy in his late 20s, early 30s and like a 19-year-old. And, yeah. And that's the other thing that she said in this blog post that Cam was also young and she wanted him to do some more growing. 
Yeah. Because in his book, I think he's older. I don't remember exactly, but it's it's like years later. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's let's judge the cover. Yeah, but I mean, the cover is the same. There's a landscape and then there's her with a dress on. Although I think the she's beautiful. Yes. This this uh, is a, a beautiful woman on the cover uh, mm-hmm. of this. And that is a hot fucking gazebo on the cover of the other book. <laughs> I would like to fuck that gazebo Stop. really hard. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> hey. I'm honest on this podcast you and are. that's what you like about it. I do like it did make me laugh when I texted you about the last book where I was like, how are you liking St. Vincent? And he was like, and you said uh, you, something to the effect of I'm liking him, but he doesn't make my dick hard. I, well, I didn't say dick, but I did say that I'm not fully hard for him okay. or something along this. I mean, I was. Yeah. It does make me laugh because I'm like, before this podcast... We would never talk about our genitals to each other, (laughs) ever. I know so much more about what turns you on. (laughs) No, me too. Yeah, and I was like, wow, this really does open up conversations between people. Because I was like, I read that at first and I was like, huh, all right. This is how we speak to each other. Jesus Christ. (laughs) This is my husband's best friend. (laughs) Like anybody else's partner of my friends, if I was texting about the status of my heart on would be <laughs> truly inappropriate. And it's also a text where like Pat is on that and Pat just <laughs> yeah, never yeah, acknowledged it. <laughs> yeah. I know. He's like, no thumbs down. No, 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 no exclamation like, uh, points. You know, how just sometimes your friend tells <laughs> his penis isn't <laughs> tells hard. Tells your wife about like how hard he is for a fictional character. Yeah. And just, we just keep it moving. Keep it lively. Exactly. Well, if it is inappropriate, I'll stop doing it. No, the thing that was funny is it's not (laughs) inappropriate. It's not inappropriate. (laughs) It's only in later, like, looking at it that I was like, wow. Yeah. That's odd. Um, Anyway. So I love me a gazebo. But is a gazebo (laughs) a hidden place? It's out in the open. It's not, but you know what? It's a special place because special Mm -hmm. things happen in a gazebo. Gazebos seem like a place that like have magical connotations to me. Yeah. Like when I go to the park, Central Park, and they have, I guess they're not necessarily gazebos, but they'll have those covered places right by the water and stuff. And if someone's not sitting there, I got to sit there. Even if I don't want to, I'm like, I have to because they're usually so full of people uh, that I need to have that moment in this special place. So a gazebo is more of a special place. You have special events there. Yeah. Um, I grew up and my best friend growing up was uh, this girl and she was very wealthy mm-hmm. and she had multiple gazebos. And so that's basically we spent a lot of time just playing in the gazebo. Like she had an apple orchard. So there was a gazebo in the orchard. There was a gazebo. She had a baseball diamond. So there was a gazebo <laughs> by the baseball diamond, a gazebo by the tennis courts. And then there was a gazebo that was just like kind of part of her porch. And that's basically where we spent all of our time. She didn't like, have a gazebo by her pool? Mm, no pool. No pool. <laughs> you know, I But then no she longer... moved out and another one of my friends moved into the house and then they put in a pool. Oh, of course. See, because they're richer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did they mock? They were like, I can't believe this place doesn't have a fucking pool in New Hampshire. Pools aren't like a big thing though, because the season is very short. There's like uh, basically two months where it's hot enough that you would have a pool. Gorgeous covers, both of them. Yes. I think Daisy looks gorgeous on this cover. Very hot. Um, and Daisy, we'll get into it a little bit more is like the kind of girls that I date. You've dated exclusively daisies <laughs> yeah. as somebody who has met them. Yes. I'm big fan of daisies. Yeah. Meaning women who are, I do think, uh, people that have a lot of substance, but also are very uh, dreamy and, and, and uh, get wrapped up in fantasy mm-hmm. very easily. Mm-hmm. What m- so was... So you're the Swift. I ain't ma- no Matthew Swift. No. How dare you? Uh, we'll get into it, um, more, but we'll talk about what this book's about. Yeah. So real quick. So Daisy, the last of the wallflowers is looking for a guy. She's the last one to get hitched and her father, who is a soap magnate, he owns this big soap company, has a gentleman who works for him or he works with named Matthew Swift. And he says to Daisy, 
I want you to marry Matthew Swift because Matthew Swift is somebody I want to take over my business. And he's not peerage or anything like that, but still, he's thinking, this guy can really make some money after I'm gone. He'll set you up nice. So, problem is, Daisy does not like Matthew Swift. She's met him before several times and thinks that he is not attractive and also that he's some business-minded, boring a-hole. So, they actually, uh, he, Matthew Swift shows up at uh, Stone, what is it? Stony Cross Park. Stony Cross Park, looking fine as fuck. <laughs> and she thinks, well, could I? And then the whole story is them figuring out that they actually do belong together. So that is the synopsis in about a minute and a half, maybe. I don't know. We'll, well see. And we find out, too, that Matthew has basically been in love with Daisy from the first time he sees her. And we also find that out the first time that we're in Matthew's POV. Uh-huh. Pretty much. That he would... He loved going and hanging out with them at uh, their place in New York, uh, even though she had nothing but disdain for him. Just interacting with her and being next to her gave him a thrill, mm-hmm. which is sweet, but there's levels. I mean, is Matthew creepy? Well, the th- the other thing with Matthew, too, is he basically has a secret past where, I mean, obviously you should have already read these books. We spoil every book, uh-huh. and so we're spoiling this one, too. You'll be thoroughly spoiled. <laughs> he has basically took on a secret identity because he was basically like a whipping boy for a wealthy Boston family, and he escaped. So, yeah. So, uh, the, he alludes, Matthew alludes in this book to his past, and one of the reasons why he feels like he can't marry Daisy is because this past is going to come and bite him in the ass, and he doesn't want her involved. And what does happen is it does happen at the end. But what what his past was, yeah, he was the uh, errand boy for a, a rich dude, and the rich dude did a bunch of bad stuff, owned a, uh, owed a lot of money, and stole some jewels that he then blamed Matthew for. And the father of this rich prick said, well, my son can't take the fall for this, so Matthew's going to take the fall for this. So then Matthew leaves and flees, changes his name, and then uh, – because he lived in Boston. Uh, So these mass holes end up coming after him at the end, and I – I don't want to talk about the end first, but uh, I – I wish it was more. I wish he had done more than just not stole jewelry. Right. I wanted him to have an actual dark past because that would have made him sexier. I didn't find Matthew sexy. Mm-hmm. If okay. we're talking about status of my penis. <laughs> you were not hard for Matthew. Not hard for him at all. All right. Um, I thought Matthew was sexy. I like a piner, though. Like, I like, a, like, I've loved you for so long. Like, that is one of my, like, big tropes that I'm into. So I thought Matthew was sexy. I love the moment where it's just, like, the person has loved somebody. Well, I mean, it's mostly the guy after the girl. I think the other way can be, like, a little pathetic. Although Nine Rules to Rake Break When Romancing a Rake does it beautifully. So you you want a guy to pine, you don't want a woman to pine. You mm. think that's below them. So the men should always be chasing the woman. I think so. Although prove me wrong. There are definitely books out there that have it the other way around that are, are well done. I am positive. But in general, I like it that way. So I think because it's like, I think it's so great when they finally break. And that's my favorite part. And they're like, I can't not anymore. And then they make out. You like to see a man broken down. Mm, I like a broken. <laughs> I like to <laughs> like, break them. Kind of, right? A little bit. Yeah. Where the other way, if but a, broken down by love. Yes, not by uh, other stuff. Not yeah. like economics. No, <laughs> I don't like. No, that's hard to watch. <laughs> you don't like to see the wheels of industry breaking uh, men's backs. Mm. No, that I'm into. No. I'm not into that, and that's one of the reasons why I don't think I'm so into Matthews because he's a business guy. He's yeah. he's the man. He's an emerging man. He's going to become what he's he's f- creating what's going to become the man, and I oh. don't like that. So no pussy for the becoming man. Yeah, <laughs> he's a self-made man. I like that. 
better than sort of the peerage. And Simon Hunt was too, Mm -hmm. but there's something about the way Simon, who was the hero in the first book in this series, did love Annabelle and did pine for her. It did not feel as pathetic as Matthew's pining, in my estimation. And also, I think one of the issues with this book, which I still, of course, liked a lot, read and loved, right, was that um, all the other, all the other wallflowers got hooked up with people that we kind of knew already, mm-hmm. had been mentioned previously. Matthew comes out of the blue. Matthew's a guy who is has worked for uh, for Lillian and Daisy's dad for years, and we never he's never been mentioned, never made any kind of appearance before that I know of, right? In these books, and just shows up. And he didn't seem like part of the family. He didn't seem like part of the continuation. That's why I'm shipping Cam because he he made the most sense to me because they had met each other. And it was such a uh, a great scene once I got around to finding it <laughs> that uh, that I, I Matthew just paled in comparison. That's hard when you have a certain expectation. I don't know that I necessarily I think I knew when I read that scene in Devil in Winter for the first time that she didn't end up with him. But also I like the idea of like she doesn't necessarily have sexual experience, but that, that she had had like a good Sexual experience, like not sex, P and V, but like I would say, kissing is a sexual experience. Yeah. I know it's been thrown to the wayside now with uh, with people being more apt to 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 finger each other immediately as soon as they see each other. Is that what's dating like now? Uh, who knows? I don't date anymore. I don't know. <laughs> but um, that's my assumption: is that mm. it's automatic fingering. But um, I, I can get that checked out before you go back. Out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still gonna just cut my nails pretty low, just in case, right? Just be considerate. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just hygiene in general. Mm-hmm. But when kissing, it, it becomes a preamble to other things instead of a thing itself, which is sensual. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Kissing has become, when are we going to get to the fucking? And kissing, for me, I, I think, is very sexual because it's so intimate. It's even more intimate than some of the sexual stuff that people do. So I think that is sexual experience. Her kissing Cam was very sexual. Yeah, and that it was a very positive experience, too, because I think a lot of... Because it was, like, very erotic, that kissing scene. But cause I think in a lot of these books at least the historicals, it's either like the woman has been kissed before, but it was, they weren't really into it. It was like stolen kisses. And it's rare that it's like, no, I was kissed before. And I was like kissed well. And it was a great experience. Like she basically is only up to that time, like had positive sexual experiences, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, which comes back at the end where she, she's a bookish heroine, which I really liked. Uh, she reads a ton of books and she, said uh she says to matthew well i know because i read i know what's going to happen sexually and then he starts going down on her and she says well they were very vague in this part (laughs) so i don't know what you're doing i thought that was really cute she's so funny daisy's great i thought she was the funniest of the heroines like i really really Uh, yeah daisy i mean daisy's worldview is a worldview that i uh i like in a partner because i do think I'm very practical minded in a lot of things. I think mm-hmm. uh, it, I I do have a great imagination, I think, and I, I there's an uh, uh, an aspect of that that uh, is in me, but it takes somebody to bring that out because on a regular day if I'm not around anybody else, my thoughts are are not very whimsical. No. Um other than coming up with jokes, but like otherwise I'm I'm not I don't go in a flight of fancies. I'm kind of very just <laughs> and your flight of fancies are like pretty negative. Well, yeah, I guess it's like more worst of a, case scenarios. Yeah, I guess it's more of like a plane crash of fantasy than a flight of <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> but yeah, so I really gravitate to her, her and that's why it, it Matthew just was so lukewarm for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that all makes a lot of sense. But I also think like sort of something that Westcliff says is because Lillian basically hates Matthew until the last scene. Lillian hate well Lillian hates Matthew because they've interacted before 
And I think she also, they have brothers and the father likes Matthew more than all the brothers. So that's like a point of friction. But also Lillian, yeah, she thinks he's just a guy who is trying to find an in to the family business. That he doesn't really want to be with Daisy. That he's lying even when, even when Daisy says that he has been pining for her. Lillian says, are you sure he's not just setting you up with this? Uh, he's not just trying to get you to believe this so that he can have our, our family's money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she hates him until the very, very end. Yeah. Um, so, but Westcliff likes him sooner. And Cause he's a, cause Westcliff's a business guy mm-hmm. and likes business minded people. Yeah. But I think he also reckon like, cause Marcus, you can tell has a lot of, uh, Westcliff has a lot of affection for Daisy that you see even from like the first scene where it's the three of them together because Lillian is heavily pregnant and having an awful time at it, which I also loved because I feel like you don't see in these books a lot of women just having like awful pregnancies. Lillian said, "Is it okay for me to say I don't like being pregnant?" Yeah, and I feel like <laughs> which I've- is rare for someone to say that. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I think they say that publicly or have that written down because I think like you know. I'm at an age where I have a lot of friends who have been pregnant and I have friends who love being pregnant, friends who are indifferent to it, friends that truly hate it. Well, of course, Lillian would be so honest about how she's feeling Mm -hmm. and how she feels about pregnancy. She's not going to lie and pretend that she loves it. And also, she's somebody who really wants to be out there doing stuff and, and, and like toddling around with a big fat belly is not something that she wants to really do. Right, exactly. Um, so Marcus is feeding her ice chips and then, um, Daisy is sort of like when she first tells him about Matthew and the way, so Lillian ends up just like passing out. She's tired. And then Marcus, because Daisy's father had said to her, like, you're a parasite. You've been living us off us too long. Cause like Mark, their father is awful. Mr. Bowman fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. And Marcus is really sweet and he's like, you bring joy to people and you are kind in small moments. And like, that's what life is. And it's such a sweet passage and I love it. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, Marcus gets her and Marcus loves her. And then he recognizes like Daisy's basically like a kite on the end of a string. Like she needs somebody to ground her. So she was with like a cam who does have like flights of fancy and you know, or somebody who wasn't as grounded and stable, like the two of them would be like, it w- it wouldn't be a good match. It'd be too much. Uh, yeah. But, but again, so that bore, that would like Matthew's a guy who bore me. Right. Because he has to be the stable one. Mm-hmm. Like in your relationship with your daisies, how you're the stable one. Which is crazy. Cause I'm not even all that stable. <laughs> so you're, <laughs> you're seeing a little bit of who I'm going after. No, nothing against anybody. They're all wonderful people. No, this isn't against anybody. No. Um, so uh, when but no, so I love that. But I, I want to talk about the first scene that we see them together. Well, yeah. So D- Daisy is uh, something about her character is that she goes to this wishing well, mm-hmm. which she says it's a famous wishing well, and she's surprised Matthew does not know about it because <laughs> uh, he doesn't get uh, Google alerts about famous uh, wishing wells. And also, it sounds disgusting. It sounds like just like a brown brook. Like, but to her, it's mad. That's the thing. To her, yeah. it's magical. And she being inside her mind was so great in this book. It was because she took something that was uh, a gross uh, puddle of brown sludgy water <laughs> and made it into a magical object because she has made wishes for all, all the other wallflowers that have come true. Or she's been there while somebody has made a wish. Uh, and what she does is she wishes in the wishing well that she just wants to find somebody and she's open. She doesn't, she doesn't know who it's going to be. Cause obviously all her attempts have failed. So she says, bring me whoever, as long as they're right for me. And guess who shows up right after she does yeah. that? Matthew Swift looking fine. Yeah. And she hadn't seen him for a while and he's grown into himself. He's a man now, baby. And he's looking really good. And he throws a $5 piece in there which I'm not a fan of this move, right? She says, you could spend that on so many other things. You could help people with that money and you're doing this just to impress me. It doesn't impress me. 
Good move by Daisy. I love that. But he throws it in there. It was also and- it was the smallest denomination he had. <sighs> It's not like he had pennies and he was like, ooh, I think he just, that was what was in his pocket. Still, that's, I still don't, I don't like that either. Yeah. You know? We, you're not a uh, capitalist, we know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I am, but I'm not. I, I hate the system, but I, it, it, it sustains me, I guess. Right? Like all of us. Mm. There's no way to be like stepping out of it. I could, I would step out of it if I could. Um, but also I do want uh, ads on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he throws the five, uh, uh, five dollar in there, which we then realize his wish was for some for her to find someone who loves her as much as he does. Yeah. Who ends up being him. him. Which is very sweet. I mean we've talked about the cinematic moments within Claypass novels and especially within these, but like that was such a cinematic moment. Like her throwing it and then him just walking up behind her is like, I want to see this on screen. And it was it was funny too because you knew exactly what she was doing because obviously we know that they're the hero and the heroine, but she was so unaware that her wish had come true immediately because uh, she was so wrapped up in her her feelings about him previously and things like that. But there's a great scene that shows Daisy's competitive side that she's not just rainbows and butterflies because they start playing a game of lawn bowling. And it's her and another guy against Langdon Don. Yeah. Uh who seems like a real uh like bore. If we're talking about bores, he seems like a mm-hmm. total bore. And then uh Matthew and some other chick, right? Who seems pretty annoying. Mm-hmm. But they're playing lawn bowling and it, it turns into a duel between the two of them. The partners quit because they're saying this is way too Basically, intense. Everybody walks away. Yeah, this is Lillian way too intense. Literally takes a nap and comes back. Is like, God, you you're people st- like this is ridiculous. You're still out here. Westcliff was playing the uh, ref, I guess, more the referee. And even at that is at a point he says, I got to go. I just need to be out of here. You got to end this game. It's insane. Because what they were doing is instead of um, trying to beat each other in a civil way, they'd be knocking <laughs> each other's uh, like like uh, bowls out of the way. And it's you can do it in the game, but it's not it's kind of frowned upon as a, 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 a gross thing to do. And they just kept doing it to each other. And they had stopped keeping track of points. And you saw the, how the two of them could push each other in a way that nobody else really would. And that was such a great scene. And it became, I guess, famous, uh, famous at, uh, um, at, at like in history as like a people would talk about this game um, in the future as to it being so intense. Yeah. And eventually Westcliff is like, they're like, you have to say you have to ref. And he's like, you guys haven't been keeping track of points for hours. And then they laugh. They have like this nice laugh yeah. with each other. Yeah, it's really sweet. And that is such a thing that I think that happens when you first start dating somebody is playing games or having a thing that you're doing together to spend time to, with each other. But you're just trying to pretend like it's there's another reason for it. You're like, well, we just said we would watch all the Star Wars. So now we have to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, something, that's something that happened to me in college. I didn't love it. You shouldn't. Mm. That sounds like torture. I'm sorry that happened to you. Well, you know, I was really game for it at the time because I was really into him. But, you know, anyway. But you didn't know. I didn't know what was waiting for me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, but it it was like a really sweet moment that I really loved so much. And it was so indicative of their relationship. But then they also play another parlor game, which was people partnering up and – if you uh, you get an animal, and what you have to do is uh, make the sound of the animal, and your partner has to find you, which sounds like a very scandalous game back then. But the reason it's scandalous is because the person who's last to find uh, their animal has to kiss somebody uh, that's a name pulled out of a hat, I guess, which is scandalous because if anybody finds out that you kissed a guy, you're ruined. So the stakes were pretty high for a stupid parlor game, didn't you think? Yeah, and it was also a little bit bullshit that Daisy was Langdon and he got a cricket. Because what what noise does a cricket make? She uh, lost. She was set up to fail. Because um, like then Matthew with the, Cordelia was a cow. And that's so easy. Which is so easy. But Matthew was like, this is humiliating. I refuse. He thought it was humiliating. It, it is like, humiliating. No. 
it ends up that she has to kiss Matthew. Well, so the woman who does it set up was setting up Daisy because she gave him a bullshit thing once she feel, realized they were partners. But then also she never put Matthew's name in the bowl. Mm-hmm. So then Daisy pulled it out and said, Matthew, he, she lied. It was somebody else's name. She yeah. never admits who it was. And then the woman immediately is like, she's lying. I didn't put, I, I didn't put your name in. And so that Matthew knows it too. So he just kisses her on the cheek, but then they sneak off to another room and have their first rural kiss. They snog pretty hard. It's pretty good. Uh-huh. So, I mean, the big scene, too, and we talked about this last week with, like, Claypass always having an object. And so Lillian goes into labor, of course, during a storm. Oh, the, yeah. The, the, the storm is huge in this book. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it ends up a lot of plot points revolve around this huge storm. Yeah. So, um, and this happened because, so my brother was born during Hurricane Gloria. Wow. And. Your, your brother Gloria? My brother Gloria, (laughs) Andrew Gloria. Um, he, uh, in 1985 and my mom told me, like, this is an actual thing because when my mom went into labor, she said women were literally giving birth in, like, the hallway of the hospital because there was, like, no rooms. Basically, any woman who was, like, about to have have a baby all had it the same day because it was It induces, so this is true that that storms induce labor. Yeah, it's something about the low air pressure. Something happens and, like, yeah, everyone went into labor at the same time. So it's, like, People with my brother's birthday in the town, we would always talk about how it was like a a crazy experience. So Lillian starts labor and then she's with Annabelle who's given birth. And so she's like, listen, it's going to be a while. So they're sort of hanging out in this parlor, just the wallflowers for a few hours. And then when Evie goes to get Marcus, he's like, no, this is messing up my timing. Like he expected her to give birth on her due date, which like was, I mean, never happens. So then it's a horrible storm. And Annabelle's basically the only person attending to Lillian, and she's had given birth one time. Well, and they can't find the doctor. Yeah, and it's so everybody goes out in different directions. Well, and they also, uh, there was a woman, what's the name? I always forget what the midwife. Na- midwife. Because I, I, I know, I remember Doula, but I can't remember Midwife for whatever reason. I don't know why. That's the harder one to remember is Doula. Mm-hmm. But the midwife is drunk. <laughs> so the midwife can't do shit. And then they have to find a veterinarian to help. Well, they're trying to find another doctor. Well, yeah. But then they go to the doctor and he like breaks his leg oh, as he's r- getting into the carriage. That's like, right. It's like all these things keep happening. Matthew, I mean, uh, Marcus is losing his goddamn mind. And then Matthew goes out and he finds a veterinarian because also Matthew is a problem solver. But Lillian has a successful birth. But anyway, so it's long because birth also takes freaking forever. And so Daisy knows she can't be helpful in the room. But so she just sort of like sits outside. And Matthew, once he comes back with the veterinarian, he gets himself cleaned out. And she's like, oh, kind of everybody's in the family parlor if you want to go wait there. But of course he doesn't. He comes and he sits with Daisy. And so there's sort of this runner in the book about how Matthew has all of these things in his pockets. At one time, he, like, calms down Annabelle's baby, who's teething with things he finds in his pockets. And he has so, matches in his pockets just in case. Yeah, so she's like, well, what do you got in there? So he basically empties his pockets sort of, like, just to keep her occupied so she's not, like, worried about her sister. And she finds her father's a button mm-hmm. that her mother made of a jacket or a vest for her father and had his every button had a lock of his children's hair on it and this was the one that had her hair in it yeah because if there's one things the victorians fucking lived for hair jewelry Uh, you know could not get enough of it i think hair jewelry is cool all right you do well i had a ex-girlfriend who was really into hair jewelry and I thought it was really cool because it is like something that um, is a part of a person. I do think that you carry a lot of history in your hair. Like anytime I'll have a big breakup, like uh, in the future, I'm sure it'll happen again. <laughs> uh, I cut my hair mm-hmm. because th- there's a lot of, I think, history in that. So I do think like having a lock of somebody you loves hair is like a powerful kind of connection to them. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's how you do spells on people. You need their hair. Yeah. That's true. 
I no, I like went through like when after I got married and I went through and it was like a very emotional time and a bunch of other things happened. I was like, I just need to cut my hair. And I sat down with my hairdresser. I'm like, I just need to get rid of the energy that's happening in my life right now. Not getting married itself. It was a very, very good thing. I'm very happy. It's I got okay. Married. This is a safe space. But the, um, <laughs> no, but like the planning oh, and there yeah. was like friend things that happened and it was just like stressful. He has this button with her hair. Now, is this sweet or creepy? I think it's sweet. You want Matthew to be creepy. I don't think he's creepy. No, I don't. Okay. I don't think he's necessarily creepy either. There's just something about him. I don't know. I guess I normally like people pining too. So why don't I like Matt? I guess I just don't like Matthew because he's not Cam. That's see, that's the unfair thing. I about know. This book. Like I'm sorry. I do think if you read it without knowing Cam, and it's just like this is a because when we first started reading the Wallflowers, I was like, oh yeah, but Scandal and Spring, it's kind of a dud, but whatever. That's sort of how we'll end it. Maybe we won't have much to say about it. And then as I was reading, I was like, no, I love this book. I've also read this one like three, four times. Like I love it. And I think what happens is it's right after Devil in uh, Winter, which is like a massive big book. And this one is just a little bit quieter. And yes. it's a, like of the books, I think this is the quietest one. Yeah, there's there's not any. I mean, nobody gets shot, mm-hmm. uh, which is a rarity for the wolf. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, or yeah, kidnapped. Or, yeah, there's yeah, there's no. Nothing explodes. No, I mean, the big scene at the end is that the his his Matthew's past comes back um, to bite him in the butt. They want to take him back to um, London. They're going to take him to London, right? Yeah. The storm's still raging. He's in a carriage. It gets swept away, and he had his arms bound. So Daisy thinks he's dead, but doesn't actually. She doesn't actually think he's dead. She is like, I would know if he's dead. I just, I don't think he is. So it ends up that while the whole thing was happening, where the carriage uh, is getting swept away, he's. He had a pen knife in his pocket because he has shit in his pockets. Uh, and he was cutting the the bonds, the ropes, so that he could eventually get out. So he swims to shore and whatever. So he ends up being okay. And that whole scene seemed like so tacked on at the end. Um, not that I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I didn't love it too. And it seemed like they just she just needed something f- for the end. And that's fine. I can't blame her. Like endings all- are super hard and... Mm-hmm. The romance is really what makes these books pop anyway. So I do think the romance in this was good. Yeah. So I'm not going to hold it against uh, her for, you know, that that the action finale that maybe fell a little flat. Right. Well. The big question. The big question. I mean, the most important question. Would you fuck them? I would fuck Matthew. He sounded very attractive. He was very tall. He had dark hair, big blue eyes. He was crafty. I'm into it. And Daisy, yeah. Daisy seems like she'd be real fun. D- Daisy, 100%. Mm-hmm. Matthew, no. <laughs> I know. No, I'm you. not surprised. I'm just like, I'm not, I have no interest. Yeah. No interest. All right. I mean, he seems like a fine guy. And You're like, if you worked with him, it'd be fine. But I'd never talk to him. You would talk to him like, I don't know, do guys talk to each other at the urinals? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, never. I mean, with my closest, closest <laughs> friends. But if I work with somebody, I ain't talking to you at the urinal. No. <laughs> so you think it's like water cooler where just, we're just standing there, just peeing and being Just holding like, your dicks, yeah. talking about the weather. Yeah. No. Talking about the t- talking about the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. No, we don't do that. I always think it's so funny whenever, like a guy comes back from the bathroom. I was like, he was just holding his dick. <laughs> now we're just having dinner, and yeah. it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I think it's very silly. It is pretty funny. <laughs> All right, so Goodreads list. I love the Goodreads list. So this was five pages, so less than Devil in Sp- and Winter. But, I can get that. I can yeah. get that. We're not reading them all, but there's this many. Good. I've loved you for years. Mm Mm-hmm. Best romances with spinsters, wallflowers, or old maids. 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. She's a wallflower. She's a wallflower, yes. Best historical romances where the quiet, unusual girl gets the guy. She's not quiet. Not quiet. She's unusual. unusual. Uh, best humorous historical romances. Yeah, yes, because Daisy's a funny character. Yeah. What I like so much about Daisy is that she can be so... Um, she's she she does have substance but she's also has that like whimsical nature brainy genius romantic heroes i don't think he was a genius no he's not a genius he, just because he can make money doesn't make you smart all right <laughs> <laughs> a lot of smart people make money but a lot of dumb people make money too oh yeah and sure. a lot of smart people don't make any money i wonder mm-hmm. who i can be talking Case about point. love hate relationships yeah she hates him at the beginning I yeah, mean, she gets over it pretty quickly. But we know the history of hate. Yeah, that she's had for him mm-hmm. previous to that. Previous to him looking fine. Mm-hmm. Filling out. Petite heroine, big hero. Is he that? I guess yeah. She's very yeah. small. That's right. Because she's, she's like doll. She they describe her as like a doll. She's got like a doll face. Yeah. Well, and then she talks about, like, when she's trying to seduce him, she's like, let's sit down. And then she tries to sit on the bed, but she, like, it goes up to her tits. So she yeah. has to, like, crawl up. And finally, he just, like, lifts her up and puts her on the bed pain because she's like, I can't watch that anymore. Uh-huh. And she talks about how she, I normally I don't like tall men, but mm-hmm. I'll put an exception for you. Uh, the one and only. I don't really know what that means, but yeah. Well, you know, I can't, I can't say that that's on the list because she, she, I'm going to sound like a fucking broken record, but she could have ended up with Cam, right? In a different, yeah, in a different uh, circumstance, she could have been with Cam. So he, I don't think Matthew is her one and only. I don't mm-hmm. think that they're uh, soulmates necessarily. Okay, I yeah. think they'll work, but I think you need to take that off the list. Historical romances featuring blue stocking scholars and independent misses. Mm-hmm. Love in the merchant class or working class. He's working class. Yeah. Witty historical romance books. Yes. Romance with house parties. Yeah. Hot, steamy, sensual historical romance books. I found this very hot and steamy. Uh-huh. Did you not? Yes. Oh, you did too. Okay. Romance with strong female friendships. Oh, well, of course. It's the wallflowers. I mean, come on. It doesn't get stronger than that. The best. Uh, best ever historical romance novels? No? No. I mean, again, I'm not saying take it off the list, but I don't necessarily agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, tearjerker romance novels that jerked the tears right out of you. <laughs> I did not find any of this emotional. Me neither. I was never crying. I mean, it was sad when she thought he was dead. But that was just so for like not that long was, and she never believed it. I feel like she he supposedly died on the top of one page and then by the bottom of the the next page he was back well, almost. The, yeah, well the thing is too when there's like 10% left in a book, you know he's not going to stay dead. It's sort of like uh, okay, he's coming back. When crushes finally take notice. Yes. So you love a bad boy or tortured hero. I mean he's tortured. By his own making. Barely tortured. And not a bad boy. Yeah, take it off the list. Heroin in pursuit, she gets her man. She's in pursuit of him longer than he's in pursuit of her. Mm-hmm. Sexual tension that leaves you breathless. There is tension there. I guess when they're playing lawn bowling, there is like, uh, they're sexual tension has become like competitiveness so there is some tension there i thought there was tension throughout i love that evie was the first one to pick up on it the entire time like really early evie was like mm, i think you're gonna end up with man mm-hmm. um uh a big smile after reading mm. yeah i guess yeah i liked it i was smiling historical romances where hero falls in love first yeah Romance books where the heroes are not super possessive, controlling multi-billionaire alpha holes with 50-foot penises and a disturbing tendency towards stalkerish behavior. I would agree. I mean, the only thing is that he does hold on to that hair thing. But again, like you said, that was more common. So it's less creepy than now if I had the lock of somebody's hair. If you had a lock of someone's hair, I would report you. Okay. <laughs> so don't tell me. And also, why did you say don't tell me? I obviously don't. But you're saying 
Don't tell me if you do. Yeah. And so you think there's what's the chance? What's the percentage chance uh-huh. that I have somebody else's hair in my pocket right now? Thirty percent. That is a insanely high <laughs> percentage. Well, I mean, I know some of your ex-girlfriends and I don't doubt that they would have given you their hair. Okay, so thirty percent maybe. But I'm not seeing anybody right now. I don't I don't know how you pine. I ain't pining. All right, good to hear. There ain't no fresh scent coming off me, that's for (laughs) sure. And finally, Yankee in King Arthur's court romances, because they are American. Yeah, they're both Americans. Mm Mm-hmm. But they don't end up in America, which is good, because I was going to be very upset if the Wallflowers ended up all scattered to the wind. No, they have to be together. Um, all right, what are your tropes? Tropes. I've loved you so long. Bookish heroine. Mm-hmm. American hero. Mm-hmm. American heroine as well. Hair jewelry. Uh, false identity. Oh, yeah. You had a fake identity. Uh, fresh scent of pining hero. Because he did pine. And um, veterinarian assisting in birth. (laughs) Uh, Those are my tropes. That's good. I had. Uh, Hero loved heroin for years. Small heroine. Americans in England. Hero not in peerage. Friends in romance. Hero has a secret. House parties. Meddling families. Um, I wrote outside sex. So, oh, outside sex. They have sex outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep in token of the person you secretly love, a.k.a. the button. Mm-hmm. We did it. We did it. Those are the wallflowers. Mm-hmm. Should we give out some superlatives? Yeah, let's do it. Now that we have read all of them. Mm-hmm. Now that we can admit that we read all of them. Yeah, because we read them two at a time, guys. It's a little secret. Yeah. A little behind the curtain action. <laughs> um. All right. So let's start with who was the best couple for you? Now, this is difficult because I would say there wasn't a couple among them that I was uh, hard for both. Okay. Really. So I would say for me, Westcliff and Lillian, reason being is that I love Lillian. She's my favorite wallflower. And Westcliff was kind of the glue that kept the whole thing together mm-hmm. i mean he's the focal point for that male group of friends and his place is where they all come to party so also i did grow to like westcliff a lot and of the of all the couples i think they're the ones i'd want to see i was excited to see more of and i would liked when they were around uh in the other books mm-hmm. so i would say it would be lillian and westcliff for me mm-hmm. what about you I would say Sebastian, Sebastian, St. Vincent and Evie were my two, was my favorite couple. Okay. Why, why? Because Evie, I felt like was a a weaker wallflower. I think I really, I really respected Evie and I really liked her story and struggle and where she started and where she ended up, I think was the furthest of any of them. Maybe Annabelle, but not really. I do think Evie made the biggest change. And I also think that they are the two that, at the beginning were broken in different ways and needed each other to grow in a way that I don't think any of the other couples necessarily had like all the couples I thought were good together, but I feel like with Evie and St. Vincent, they need each other in a way that I think the other couples don't like, I think all the other couples love each other, but I think they are the couple that like are, you know, and I and I resent this as a concept, but like who are like we're each broken and then we're sort of healed by being together. Like the example being like Lillian could find somebody other than Westcliff and be fine. But what what Vincent brought out in Evie and what Evie brought out in Vincent was like made them whole. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So that's why I think that they're the best couple. Okay. Next. Best hero. Simon. Yeah? Yeah. I, I mean, I love Simon. I still love Simon. Uh, out of all of them, I would say Simon is the guy that I would be 
closest friends with mm-hmm. and also want to uh, fuck the most, <laughs> which might make our relationship a little bit weird and tense, but who knows? Good tense. Yeah, good tense. tense. Yeah. I would say Westcliff. West, so you're a Westcliff girl. I am a Westcliff girl. He, he, as much as he got unstarched, he's still a little starched for me. I think I like a little starched. I like a little starchy hero. And the way that he loved Lillian, I loved. The way that he loved his friends, I loved. I also like that, like, normally heroes, too, they're all, like, 6'5", massive. And Marcus, like they say constantly, is, like, like average height mm-hmm. and kind of average looks, but ends up, like, his personality makes him really attractive. And um, knowing him in the other books, too, like, he really loves his family. I don't know. I really, really like Marcus. He's my favorite. Okay. I mean, do we have to ask this question? Best heroine? Lillian. Lillian. Yeah. I mean, she's the shit. Lillian and then Daisy. My 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 list goes Lillian, Daisy, Evie, Annabelle. Me too. Same list. Yeah. Uh, I do love Annabelle, though. She's sweet. All right. She's fine. Best scene. This is tough because there's a lot of really great scenes. You could say maybe like top three if you want. Like I was really into that lawn bowling scene in, in in the last book. I just because I love competition and I really thought that was a fun, funny way to show those two like getting together. Um I I'm trying to remember all the scenes now because we read all four of the books. Um Saint Vincent throwing himself in front of the bullet was a great mm-hmm. scene too, just because it did show the change in him mm-hmm. uh, in a real way. Again, then also Cam teaching him to fight was a great scene. And him shaving Ivo. Oh, you know what? Yes. Forget all that I said. <laughs> um, I think my favorite is St. Vincent shaving Ivo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because... I mean, we'll talk about favorite, like, sex scenes later. Like, this is my, I think, favorite scene that isn't a sex scene. Mm-hmm. But it is, like, such a bonding scene and also a very romantic scene because it just shows what he's capable of in in the way of, like, sympathy and gentleness that I think was important for his character. Yeah. And the care that that showed not only a dying man, but also the woman that he loved. Yeah. Um, what about you? I mean, I like scenes that stand out to me are when Simon is trying to compromise Annabelle all over town. Um, I loved the scene. Um, I mean, obviously, and this is also a sex scene, but Lillian and Marcus in the butterfly garden, Mm-hmm. was so good um I, when Lillian shows up after Sebastian has been shot I love that too of her just like coming in and taking charge I just really like was so excited when she showed up um I love I mean the scene where uh St. Vincent and Evie get married I think is so funny and I like was laughing out loud it was really good um the lawn bowling scene was great I mean I love the Daisy putting the key down her dress is just so funny. And so she talks about the moment before where she like looks at the key and she has the thought and she's like, and I got to do it. And I loved that. Um, I think those are all like my top. And what about when they're, when they're playing um, rounders in their knickers? (gasps) That's That's my favorite scene. scene. My favorite scene is rounders and knickers. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. Um, so many great it's really hard there's so many great scenes I know and of course like later today I'm gonna be like oh and then this one and then this one like there's a lot uh sexiest scene uh, I mean I, I think we're gonna have the same one for this maybe let's see is it is it, it the the St. Vincent and 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 Evie him going down on her yes yes the, when he has her hold up her own skirts and then eats her out against a door is the sexiest scene in the four Because they were supposed to not have sex mm-hmm. and they could only kiss. And he says, you didn't tell me where. Boom. Yeah. That, that was, was hot. Very sexy. The other one, and I mentioned it when we did the book, was Westcliff and Lillian are having sex and 
she says, and you call me a, an animal or whatever. Mm. And they're, yeah, they're pounding away. That was really good. Yeah, that was good. That was yeah. also sexy. Best side character. I mean, can we say other than Cam? Other than Cam? Well, Cam, yes. But then, yeah, who? Because um, obviously Cam. Cam's amazing. We mm-hmm. all love him. I mean, I like... I liked, I sympathize with Mercedes. Like, uh-huh. I think she was trying to do what was best for her daughters and she had a weird way of going about it. And she was like a weird, hysterical woman. But I really came to like love and appreciate her for, for what she was trying. I think she really, yeah, loved her daughters and just couldn't figure out and like how to be a normal person around them, which I just was really funny. It reminded me of, um, whatever the mom from Pride and Prejudice too, being a lunatic. Uh, I really liked her a lot. Mm, I liked Langdon, even though he ended up being like, I mean, the scenes where he ends up falling in love with her, I thought were so funny and mm-hmm. so sweet. Um, and the fact that he was cool about it, too. He wasn't a prick about it. Yeah. I then, thought made him seem more sympathetic. Yeah. I guess I would say the veterinarian who gave birth to the, didn't Merit. give birth. Oh, yeah. And then Lillian names the baby after the veterinarian. Yeah. And that's she's cool. like, Westcliff said it good. Her yeah. name's Merritt. Yeah. Yeah, so the veterinarian. He was great, too. Yeah. I loved him. Um, is there, like, a quote or passage that stands out for you? I think what Marcus says to Daisy at the beginning is really sweet, that... Oh. Yeah, the little things you do in the world are have meaning. Well, you know what's great as well is when um, Matthew tells Daisy's dad that she's the best thing you've ever done. Yeah. That's well, cool, too. That's sweet. All right. Uh, worst person. Wow, there's so many bad people in these books. Um, I would say I couldn't say Bullard because he was sick. Like he had some like venereal disease it that ro- rotted his brain away. I would say um, I would say da- Daisy's uncle and aunt as one Evie. unit. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, Evie's aunt and uncle, and probably the uncle because he hit her. Yeah. He's probably the worst person that we actually kind of meet. As everybody has bad parents in this in these books, but we don't get no. to meet all of them. I mean, it's hard when you say abuse and then it's like physical abuse is obviously the worst. But I do think Westcliff's mom is worse in that she set up the kidnapping of her daughter-in-law. True. And to ostensibly be raped and married against her will. Yeah, she's bad as well. <laughs> I think that's pretty rough mm-hmm. to do that to your own kid. So we'll say it's a tie. <laughs> They're both awful. Yeah. Uh, oh, worst relative, same. Yeah. They're both relatives. Um, all right, so now it's a very controversial category. We're calling it power couples. Oh, yeah. So if you could take apart any couple and put them back together, who would you pick as your top to go together? I mean, I know there's some history here, but like Lillian and St. Vincent, if he hadn't <laughs> kidnapped her, I think could have been something. I mean, they kind of had a little thing going on. They had on. a little thing like they kissed and they eh, wasn't uh, too shabby. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that could have been really cool if she ended up with him, because I think Lillian would have been a good counter to him, would have called him and all, all his like... uh just vain bullshit. And I think that could have been good for him. So that would have been who I would put together from the main cast. Yeah. What about yourself? I mean, if I, I, cause I do think Evie and St. Vincent are the best together, but if I had to put two other people together, I think I would do Lillian and Hunt. Ooh, that's interesting. I think they would be an interesting couple because he's like, not as starched as Matthew, but like a little bit trying to put on airs. And Lillian w- couldn't put on airs if she tried. Like she just is not capable of it. And I think them together, I do think they're both really sexy. And I think that could be kind of explosive. Yeah. The only reason I think that might not work is because I get the feeling that she would be too much for him. Like yeah. Annabelle was bratty, but not super overbearing. And I think Lillian is so strong that Simon might get overshadowed by her. I think that's a possibility. Oh, it's fair. Yeah. 
but I don't think it's a bad pick. I mean, I think it's interesting and definitely sexually that I, I, I'm the most excited about that coupling. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any last words? Anything? No. So, I mean, what, what which is your favorite book out of the four? That's so hard because I'm so whenever whatever book I'm reading is my favorite book. Mm hmm. Whatever author I'm reading is my favorite author. Like, I'm not very loyal in that way. Like, I definitely think Lisa Claypass is my favorite fiction author. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, of I can't all think. genres? Well, I can't think of somebody that I enjoy more. I don't read a lot of fiction, to be honest with okay. you. Like, uh, I like Ann Patchett. Is that her? how you say her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wrote Bel Canto and stuff. But Ooh. I love Bel Canto. It's one of my favorite books. Um, Donna Tartt I like a lot. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. Clay Pass is really good. So right now I think Clay Pass is like my favorite author uh, of fiction. But yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, It's hard to pick a baby. I, 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 uh, 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 I can't say it. I don't know. I mean, I would say if I I would say the summer is the one that I reread the least. Mm -hmm. Okay. But still reread. If I were to give somebody one, of these that if if the task was give me a wallflowers book that's going to make me love clay pass i would say devil in winter right only reason is that there's so much going on it's exciting it's sexy it's violent which i also really enjoy in some of these books like i like the fact that there's gunplay i like that cam kills somebody that's cool to me so i would say that's the book I would give to somebody who was interested in the wildflowers but didn't want to read all four. Clayton, why is you swooning this week? Well, thank you for asking me, Aaron. Um, what I'm swooning about this week is an album by an artist named Wise Blood. I don't know if you ever heard of her. Uh, so I've been a fan of her for a while. She's had some really great albums, but she's an album that came out pretty recently called Titanic Rising, and it is amazing. This album's like beautiful. It it's current but also very timeless. You can see her influences from like the 70s singer-songwriters and things, but it doesn't seem like she's a copy of a copy. She's really taking these these sounds and making them her own. And it's a beautiful record. It's really really great and I would say check it out. Wise Blood Titanic Rising is what I'm swimming on. I just lay What are you swooning about this week? So it's a podcast that I have been loving and it's called Tarot for the Wild Soul. And it's hosted by a woman named Lindsay Mack. Um, And she's a tarot reader. I don't know how much you know about tarot, Clayton, but there are a lot of different philosophies that go with it. And her philosophy is basically um, that uh, the universe is good. And therefore, the cards as they tap into the universe can only ever be good. So it's just an interesting, different way of thinking things. And it's a less scary way to think about tarot, if that's something that you are interested in. Even if you're not into tarot, what Lindsay talks about every week is always just really thought-provoking, interesting meditations on sort of what's happening right now or an aspect of your life or how to look at things um, that I end up using them sort of as my like weekly check-in daily or weekly like meditation sort of a thing. They're like around 30 to 40 minutes. Um, and I really, really enjoyed a lot. It's a really great podcast. And I say, if you're interested in tarot or do tarot, or you're not interested in tarot at all, but just sort of like want to hear somebody speak, um, nicely about the universe in a way in a world that is, uh, kind of, uh, bonkers, uh, then I would suggest Tarot for the Wild Soul by Lindsay Mack. Aaron, where can they find us? (laughs) 
Um, so you can always uh, find us on all of your podcast apps. So make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, feel free to always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We love recommendations. We love just kind words. Anything you want to let us know. But not after 9 p.m. because we'll be sleeping. Well, you don't have the <laughs> password, do you? I don't if have If you access. needed to check our email, could you do it? I could find a way, I'm sure. There's got to be something in my pocket that would allow me to do that. On Twitter, we're at Learning Tropes. On Instagram, we're at Learning the Tropes. And then on Facebook, we are at the Learning the Tropes Troop, which you have to ask to join, but it's a lot of fun, and you'll be let in. Um, Yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk, I feel, after this episode drops. mm -hmm. Yelling at me for for my... uh, my thoughts yeah on what the what the best couple is power couples least favorite all that stuff yeah which i want oh let's talk about it i can't just walk away from the wallflowers i'm not gonna just turn my back and let the them burn Mm -hmm. no this is gonna stay with me these this was really fun like i love that we did a series because it really opened up my eyes to to why romance is even better than i thought it was because of these attachments you you get for these characters and and wanting to know what's going to happen to them in the future very cool yeah i agree um and so moving forward because normally this is where i tell you what we're reading next week we're going to be doing things a little bit differently and our first episode in june is going to really describe it but Basically, in a nutshell, what we're going to do is uh, now, the first Wednesday every month, is going to be us sort of teasing and letting you know what we're reading for the month. Mm-hmm. Um, if you email us questions or something, we'll answer them then. It's going to be kind of a shorter episode. Um, and then the rest of the month is going to go on as planned. So from now on, it's going to be three books a month instead of four. Um, you know, realistically, with our schedules, that's the best we can do right now. Um, but we wanted to make sure we still give you what you want oh yeah books mm-hmm. so now i guess you have more time to read the books. so uh that's what's happening it's our teaser episode is going to be the next episode um keep emailing us the recommendations we have a massive list going right now we're we're going through it it's exciting clayton is also now involved in picking out the books which is exciting too mm-hmm. <laughs> he does a great job all right yeah well we'll see you next week guys bye, bye.